can't let it go, can he? Absolutely not. He's a he's a phony. He's a loser. Well, let's just get that out of the way. But Bitch Jones, I mean Butch Jones, um, he you know he got beat. What was it, Harvin? What was the score this past weekend? If my math serves me correctly, uh, I believe it was 70, 73 to nothing. 73 to nothing. There was a great picture going around of him smoking a cigar in the Alabama locker room. Um, I don't know what year that was. One of the years he was an analyst. Um, and he's standing next to big offensive lineman number 73, and he's pointing at him. And um, that was obviously the score on Saturday. So, um Apparently, in his press conference uh, today, he came out and said that, or I guess he was asked a question, there's a lot of negativity around the program right now and around the game last Saturday. What do you think about it? And he said, well, there's a lot of, there is a lot of negativity, but it's coming from another fan base, which is a reference to Tennessee. Um, and I just like, yeah, it's coming from us. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we would deny – I mean, it is coming from us. But I, I think he needs to open his eyes a little bit, and I think some of it's probably coming from his own fan base, what little fan base that Arkansas State has. Um, but, yeah, I just thought – I was actually – we're recording very late. This is a Thursday night – sorry, Wednesday night. I'm all tore up. I'm all over the place. It's Wednesday night. I had a doubleheader softball games tonight, and they were so behind – um, so it's what 10 38 we're recording just starting and um i was watching actually between games i was watching that that uh press conference clip today of of butch jones so um he's the same butch isn't he yeah uh actually i think i've got to slightly disagree with you i think he's gotten cornier and sadder probably yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, in reality, he's facing the fact that he's on the hot that he's on the hot seat at Arkansas State. Like, that's well, a, I would assume so. I mean, that's, that's a fall from glory. Like, we could be three or four months from having our previous two head coaches being high school PE teachers. <laughs> yeah. Which is wild to me. But, <clears throat> Let's be honest. I mean, if you get beat 73 to nothing, all of the negativity is not coming from a different fan base. Obviously, your fan base is upset that you got your dick put in the dirt. And yeah. yeah. I mean, well, so it's he, crazy. Calm down on us. but It's crazy. Um, well, Tennessee, the football season's finally here, Harbin. We didn't get to record – uh, last week, because I was, I had my toes in the sand two days. Um, family and I went over to Folly Beach and hung out, and um, we got to go to the beach. The actual, like, go to the beach on Monday and Thursday. Wednesday, we got uh, stuck in Hurricane. I call it Hurricane Vidalia, because one of my favorite uh, Sammy Kershaw songs, Vidalia. Um, but uh, got rained in on on uh, Wednesday and uh, went and played golf at Patriot Point Golf Links on Tuesday with my brother-in-law. Shot at 83. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> not, well, not, not great, not bad. So. Was, was the course pretty tough? 
It 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 was. I don't want to say it was like super tough. It was wide open. Uh, not a lot of water hazards until you get to the back nine. Um, the back nine made the course a lot better because the view. There's a view of the bay, and you're basically playing on the water the last three or four holes, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, it was a links course. Greens like River Islands or Island Point. So, um. It was a fun course. It wasn't anything special about it, to be honest, but um, right next to College of Charleston's baseball stadium there in Patriots Point in Charleston. So heard those boys swinging some bats while we were over there, getting some swings in after class, I guess, or before class, whatever. But uh, had a good time over there, so we didn't get to record last week uh, before the Virginia game. But um, we're going to talk about the Virginia game here on this week's show um look back at uh what happened around the conference this past weekend in the sec they were all we had games all over the place uh, last weekend so we'll look back and see what what's going on there talk about the tailgate coming up this saturday in c8 and briefly look ahead even though there's probably not much to talk about against austin p uh, this saturday in the home opener so um we'll Obviously, probably talk about the jerseys, I guess. So that that's something to talk about later on. But before we get going, I want to give a special shout out. Um, I don't guess they're really sponsoring the show, but we have koozies. I'm holding one in my hand, Harbin. Yes, sir. So if oh, you're great. listening, if you're listening, obviously you can't see this. But if you happen to be watching on YouTube, I've got a YY8 podcast koozie in my hand. These were brought to us and purchased by Appliance Repair Service Incorporated. Um, if you, I, I wish I would have written this down, so I'm probably not doing justice to this. So Zach, who, uh, spoiler alert, is my cousin, who's uh, one of the, uh, I guess one of the owners, I think. <laughs> my uncle owns it. But um, he uh, graciously agreed to purchase these. Um, you can reach them at 865-947-4100. They service all appliances um, in the Knoxville and surrounding county counties area. Whirlpool, Maytag, uh, uh, anything you've got under warranty, they'll they'll do that work. Or anything out of warranty, you can give them a call, and they'll come out and take a look at your appliances. Dishwasher, Harbin, refrigerator, um, stove microwave any of that stuff they'll come out and take a look at it for you and they go all over the place knox county hamblin cock severe granger up in your neck of the woods they're all over the place but uh if you need to uh you need to give them a call hopefully you don't and your maytag and whirlpool appliances are working but if you have to 947 4100. If you're in the Knoxville area, if you live in Nashville, it won't do any good to call them. Chris. That's just an extremely high rate. Yeah. Well, they might travel out there. Yeah, so yeah they'll travel. To our listeners in Nashville, Chris, YY8 Refugee, Laura, and the ladies at wherever she works that listen to us, you will have one of these YY8 koozies coming your way next week, ladies, whoever you are. I don't know your names. They will be coming with Laura next week. So be on the lookout for that. But thank you seriously to Appliance Repair Service Incorporated 
There's a lot of phonies out there, not to be confused with Knox County Appliances Services or Appliance Repair Services who do shoddy work. These folks don't. So check them out if you need if you need to. And tell them that YY8 podcast sent you. Nice and Harb. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> side note, for those that are listening, the koozies are beautiful. They look great. Uh, I just want to let them know that they did a great job on the koozies, and they look good for those not watching the YouTube currently. What color are they, Harvin? They're beautiful Tennessee orange, Pantone 151. Orange and white. They're not smoky gray anywhere. No. Uh, the inside's <laughs> black, but it's just like an undershirt. It's okay. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just an maybe, undershirt. Maybe the next ones will be smoky gray. We'll see. Hmm. Okay. All right. Tennessee opens up with a convincing win, 49-13 to 13 over the Virginia Cavaliers, the Hoos. Um, I think we all expected the Vols to win, and I think we all expected them to pull away and win comfortably. Um, my takeaways from the game really quickly, obviously everybody wants to talk about the quarterback, the offense, the running backs, the receivers. I thought they all looked great. Um, at different points, there were some things they could clean up. Joe Milton got a little erratic there in the second quarter, but he cleaned it up. He came he came around, and they I thought they did a really good job with the play calling to get him calmed down. Um, the running game was great. The offensive line was great. What really stood out to me, and I think this has been talked about quite a bit on other podcasts and other highlight shows, that defensive line and that front seven was outstanding. And I know Virginia – is not very good. They got they're starting four brand new offensive linemen. They've got a lot of issues on that team. They're not very good. We talked about that on our preview show. I think Athlon had them ranked number 90 in the country. So they're not great. Let's just be honest. They're not. And but Tennessee made them look pitiful up front, especially in the first half. They didn't look like that as much in the second half, but they didn't need to be. Um, but I, Tennessee's defensive line and front seven, Harbin, made me rock hard. I'll just be honest. I love the trenches in football. And in this conference, I don't care how much offense you got. You win in this conference on the, the line of scrimmage. It's always been like that. Defensive line, offensive line, good linebackers. I know we've got an injury with Peely right now. Um, I think we can work our way through that, but that if that defensive line plays like that all year long and can sustain that and stay healthy, this defense is going to be vastly improved from last year. Absolutely. Uh, I thought the front seven was incredibly uh, impressive. Uh, we're really big up front, but the thing that blew my mind was our D linemen are fast, like especially off the edge. Um, kind of like what you said. Uh, obviously, Virginia's O line is not the best, but I mean, defense looked good, did what we needed to do. Um, as far as offense goes, um, I, I don't know how good Virginia's front seven is. I'm going to venture to say that it's not great, but I was really impressed with how the O line played as well. Uh, yeah. The O-line looked great, even uh, missing a starter in our center. 
Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think I don't think Milton got sacked once. If he did, it was once. I think they actually gave up two sacks, but one of them was later in the game. Yeah, but there was, he did get sacked in the first half. Yes. Yeah, but what we did, what we did on Saturday, um, was kind of the benchmark for what we need to do all year, pretty much. I mean, we had some first game hiccups here and there. Um, overall, I think I think Joe Milton played well. Um, There's a lot of idiots out there that were calling for his head in the second quarter. I mean, he missed what two throws, maybe three, on one drive, so it made it look worse, but. If Keaton catches that deep ball, Milton has 265 yards and nobody's talking about that second quarter that he had. Everybody's acting like he had a great game. So everything's everything's relative. Um our running backs look great. I think we got some dogs in the backfield. Um but yeah, overall great. I give it I give it an A. Um we covered, which I know they don't care about covering, but we beat a lower level power five team by five touchdowns and got a little bit of momentum going into going into Austin P. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's Tennessee did what they needed to do. They got out of it relatively injury free. I did not realize that Jordan Peely was that banged up after the game and until it came out today that he's gonna miss a few weeks with an upper quote upper body injury. Um I'm trying to look up where I know there was a sack somewhere in the first half, but it, regardless, um, uh, yeah, the, they I think they played, I think they did what they needed to do and got out of there. Um, I, I, I think there are some things to clean up, obviously. The kicking game was not great, let's just be honest. Uh, I don't know if it was nerves, jitters, whatever. Um, by um, oh gosh, I just went blank on our punter's name, Ross Jackson. Um, he struggled. Let's just be honest. He's a rugby style kicker and he kicked it off the side of his foot a couple times. Um, I can't remember who our uh, place kicker is that kicks off, but he kicked two out of bounds in the game on, on, on a kickoff, which is a penalty obviously. And, um, not good. You can't do that stuff. D Williams fumbles a uh, punt return, which was, he was outstanding saturday he had three or four really great punt returns but you can't fumble the football especially when you especially when you set your offense up for really great field position but other than that i thought tennessee was great well the drop by keaton but you know that stuff's going to happen and i thought tennessee did a real good job of fighting through it and figuring out how to correct the mistakes mid-game and and moving on, and they'll get to do that on Saturday against the. Let's just face it; a, it'll be a, a exhibition game in Neyland Stadium against Austin P. And it'll give them a chance to work on a few things and get a lot of people some playing time and get ready for the the main event down in Gainesville in a couple weeks. Yeah, um, yeah, we just need to get through it. Get get what needs to be done and. Get get some second string guys, some experience this week. Uh, the biggest thing that I'm uh, thinking about is uh, is is there any word on Squirrel? Is he okay? Um, I think he is. I've not really heard anything definitive, but I I think he is. That didn't look good. Um, no, it didn't. <laughs> even if he was okay, I mean, they made the right decision. 
not bringing him back in because we didn't need him. And uh, same goes with Big O. I think I think he's good to go. I believe. I believe so. Yes. Um. Yeah, there was no point in wasting them after that. Um. Yeah, get those guys healthy. Um. And the. In a weird way, there's a bright spot in Peely going down. We might get a little bit of more uh, Arion. Mm-hmm. Arion Carter. Yeah. Arion Carter, Elijah Herring's going to have to step up um, in that position. I'm reading here about Squirrel White. Um, he left in the second half. Josh Heupel said yesterday that it was, quote, the time of the game was the only reason that he wasn't back in the game. We felt we were in a good spot and didn't need him back out there. So he should be good to go. Um, good thing about that position is they're pretty deep with Ramel Keaton, Brew McCoy, Dante Thornton, um, uh, and then obviously Squirrel White in there. So they've got a lot of depth there at that position. But the linebacker position is a little more uh, interesting with Peely going down. You're going to have to turn to some you – know, Elijah Herring's not – or Arian Carter is obviously a freshman. He looks the part, but he's just not played any, so you don't know what you're getting um herring coming in has played sparingly the first year he's been here so he's gonna have to step up which is good that we're playing austin p this saturday then get their feet wet against somebody like that and because let's face it even if florida may not be great still going to the swamp at night it's going to be loud it's going to be tough down there so they're going to have to they're going to have to figure it out because he's not going to be back in two weeks from what i'm hearing Any other thoughts, Harbin? Not on the current topic, no. <laughs> what do you think uh, about Milton, his performance on Saturday? I thought he played fine. Uh, I would even put it in a pretty good category. Um, I think people overreacted to a few things that happened in the first half. Um, we got to remember his first game of the year. You know, like you're gonna you're gonna work some things out, work some work some kinks out, and whatnot, and I thought he played fine. He had one drive that was bad that I would put in the bad category. Outside of that, um, he didn't really miss, quote unquote, miss a ton of throws. Um, he threw one. He threw one a little behind. I forgot who it was, but it was in the end zone. He threw one a little behind somebody. I think, it, I think it was Thornton. I think it was as well. He threw one a little behind, a little behind Thornton. Uh, kind of missed that one, but. I think all in all, like his decision making was great. Um, even on the option, like um uh, like the few keepers he had were good decisions. Um and, and you could tell he was actually going through his progressions, especially on the first drive when we scored on fourth and five in the red zone. You know, he didn't get his first or second option, but he hit his third and we scored. Any uh, third any I know that looks like an easy pass, but that's not. I mean, he had to throw that where Samson catches it while he's moving toward the end zone. If he doesn't do that, he's, he, he might get the first down, but he ain't getting in. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, overall, I'd probably give Joe Milton a – give him a B-plus for the I, game. I agree. Yeah, he missed on – his accuracy um, was – I don't want to say it was up and down because it really wasn't. I mean, one of the passes he missed was to Ramel Keaton, who dropped what may have been a touchdown. I don't know. It, 
probably would have been maybe not but it was it was a bomb nonetheless that was dropped um there was a couple over the middle to mccoy i think that he he they sailed on him a little bit but if you go i went back and watched the game um again and i thought his decision making like you said was great he was making the right throws there was a couple he forced but sometimes you got to force it let's just be honest i mean you can't just take the safe read every time. Um, so I thought he did it. I thought his decision-making was, was really good. And he had a bad drive in the second quarter where he, he skipped one um, to, I believe it was squirrel white. And then he sailed a couple in a row to brew McCoy. And then I believe Virginia went down, kicked a field goal and Tennessee came right back and they did a really good job running the football giving Milton some easy throws, you know, some curl routes, some out routes, and then boom, he hits a bomb downfield for 40 or 50 yards to Keaton, and then they're right in the end zone. So it was like it snapped him out of it. So that's – I really credit the play calling for that, and I thought Milton did a good job of cleaning up his mechanics mid-game and and figuring it out because he was a little – he got a little erratic there on that one drive. But other than that, I thought the offense – was pretty good. I I was kind of squalling at uh, Hypo a little bit for going for it on fourth down inside their own territory early in the game, especially with how bad Virginia is, and maybe that's why they did it. And it didn't come back to hurt them because Virginia missed the field goal. But I guess you can get away with it on teams like that. But I don't know. I would have punted it, but that's me. So, um, But other all in all – Outstanding performance for Tennessee. Um, set a new record in Nissan Stadium. 69,000 fans for a sporting event. Nice. Nice. Um, and it was mainly Tennessee fans. I saw very few Virginia fans in the on the screen. So what about uh Joe Tessator and uh who'd we have who was our who was the color guy? Was it Jesse uh Jesse Palmer? I believe it was. I don't remember. Man, I think it was the bachelor, Jesse Palmer. Man, did they try to hype up Virginia's defense a lot? And I know they're trying to make the game sound interesting, but that drive where Milton had guys open and he skipped the ball and sailed to, Joe Tessitore said, what a stand by the Virginia defense. I'm like, dude, we had guys running wide open. Our quarterback just missed the receivers. And I get it. They were out there. They may, maybe made it difficult on him, but – I was like, good grief. Can you hop them up any more than – I mean, they're terrible. But um, I guess that's an announcer's job when they're being impartial to try to keep the game interesting. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, biased is the wrong word, but there was a there was a good amount of emotion towards the Virginia side because it was their first game back since the shooting and whatnot, and it was – noon game on ESPN, you know, so they're going to bring a lot of attention to Virginia and right, rightfully so. I mean, they went, through, they went through a hard time. It was cool to have them back and whatnot, but. That's true. So. Um, Milton, getting off the topic of Milton, he was 21 to 30, 201 yards, two touchdowns passing. He also had um, two rushing touchdowns with nine carries for 40 yards. Um, so great day from Joe Milton. I think he was co- um, SEC player of the week 
Um, Jalen Wright was great. 12 carries, 115 yards. Jabari Small, 13 carries, 67 yards. Uh, Dylan Sampson, 13 carries, 52 yards, three rushing touchdowns. Touchdown vulture, Harbin. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he had a – obviously, we talked about it, a receiving touchdown from uh, Dylan Sampson. One reception, nine yards, a receiving touchdowns. Four total touchdowns. If you had Dylan Sampson on your college fantasy football team, you had a day. That's correct. He was everywhere. He was. Uh, And he's good. He I remember last year he had a big game against Missouri at home. Um, we've got three really good running backs if we need them. We do. Uh and that's great. But the I thought this was funny. Um how many times is Jabari Small gonna tackle himself in the open field? <laughs> I mean, it was uh, because the the announcers were blaming it on the new turf, you know, with the with the cork pellets and the it was cork and something else, coconut shell or coconut, coconut. That's right. Uh, They were saying that he was slipping, maybe because of that. Um, Newsflash: He just likes to do that. Um, I just think it's funny. I think he played great. I don't I don't know what his stats were, but just about every time he got the ball, it felt like he did something well. But um, Jalen Wright played out of his mind. Um, Jabari Small did well, and uh, obviously Samson scored what four times. So running back rooms looking good. Uh, and Milton put in some work on the ground. It's like we talked about a couple weeks before the season, man. If the line holds up and we're around the ball, we're going to be just just as good as we were last year, maybe better. Yeah, this narrative has come out more and more after the season last year that Tennessee's more of a running team than they are a passing team. And we've talked about it on here a lot, and they are. Um, But, uh, I mean, they really – they came out first drive, run, 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 and they're in the red zone just like that. Um, I expect to see more of that this Saturday, um, and I expect to see it down in the swamp. You go down there and run the football, take care of business – Historically, when Tennessee and Florida plays, when I was growing up, Harbin, the team that rushed the ball the best in those games won the football game. Um, you think back then with Spurrier and the fun and gun, it was all about throwing the football. But really, if you go back and look at the history of that series back in the 90s and early 2000s, it was the team that rushed the football the best. And I don't know how that – how that – theme or statistics held up over time um since then since Spurrier left and, and Philip Fulmer has has gone but um I think Tennessee's got to run the football when they go on the road this year Florida Alabama tough places to play control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football and take pressure off of of Joe Milton to have to throw Tennessee back into the game I don't think he's a guy that needs to be throwing the football 50 times a game. If he's throwing 25 to 35 times a game, we're good. Let them let them boys run the football, control the line of scrimmage, and we'll be good. So I expect to see a lot of that Saturday, and and hopefully we will. I assume we will. Um, so looking ahead to Saturday, Harbin, are you excited about these jerseys, the gray – uh, jerseys, smoky gray jerseys with the orange yoke, I guess is what it's called on the shoulders in a nod in a modern twist is what they're calling it. 
um, to Condridge Hallway. I wish they would have worn the white ones um, like they did in 2004 against UNLV at home. That was really cool. I was at that game. Um, what do you think about these? Be honest with you, I think they look great. Um, and I think they're – obviously, it's cool to honor him and everything he did here. Um, I'm kind of like you. I would love to just see the the traditional throwback one game, but I'm totally fine with this. Um, I think it's a great touch that they outline the number in white. I think that makes the – Maybe not on the actual smoking grays that we've worn in the past, but on these, I think it definitely makes yeah. them look better. Um, and the, and the gray face mask was cool, in yes. my opinion. Uh, no, so- I, yeah, I think it was a good. I think it's a good touch. Um, I'm okay with it. You know how a lot of you know my stance on on the jerseys and all that, the alternates and all that. But I'm cool with this because it honors. Connor Hallway, uh, not just a great football player, but a great athlete at the University of Tennessee. And a lot of a lot of people don't know he was a really good baseball player and was drafted. But uh, I think it's cool um, that they're doing it. And I have an announcement about my uniform on Saturday, Harbin. Breaking news! Oh, breaking breaking news! Was there? So a lot of people know I always I'm a big advocate of wearing orange to the games. You probably know that. I mean, have you ever seen me at a game that's not a checkered kneeling, not in orange? No, I don't no. believe you don't believe you have. You don't wear blue button ups. No, <laughs> I'm not big Montana and wear blue Lady Vols button ups to games. Right. Um, but the only time I've worn non orange to a Tennessee game is the checkered kneeling games because Z11 and YY8 were always in the white section. Um, but I will be wearing smoky gray to the game this Saturday, Harbin. Wow. In honor of Condridge Hallway. Be taking pictures. If you're there, take a picture. And we'll give you a we'll give you a koozie and a sticker while you're there. (laughs) Koozie, a picture, and a sticker. That's our that's (laughs) a combo. That's our tailgate combo. You can't beat it. Yep. Are you gonna be there Saturday, Harvin? Uh ninety nine percent yes. Good. Uh, Yeah. You bring any you bring any listeners or fans with you? I don't know. Um I kind of, I'm a big last minute guy. Um, maybe is my answer. Um, probably I'm definitely going to come and hang out and tailgate. I'm still up in there if I'm going to go to the game or not. Um, I'd like to, but we'll see. Uh, but I'll definitely be there hanging out and there may be a listener or two with me. You never know. Well, spread the word, tell them that we'll have koozies there and stickers and, uh, we are hopefully going to have a good time. It's uh, tailgate's going to be a little bit different this year. Moses, you know, for those that remember Chad Moses, he may not be there much this year due to uh, scheduling conflicts and other stuff that's going on. So, Big Montana and ourselves are kind of taking over the little corner there on C8, and we're going to try to carry the flag. Uh, for Moses while he's not there, and uh, our boys next to us, I assume they'll be there that are always there having a blast. So um, if you're coming to the game Saturday and uh, come by and see us, we'll have, like I said, we'll have koozies there. Uh, myself and Big Montana will be there. Harbin's 99% sure he's going to be there. So swing by and see us, whether you come by for 30 minutes or three hours. We should be setting up around noon 
on Saturday. Hopefully, we'll get there by noon. And uh, kickoffs at 5, so we'll probably head into the stadium around 4.30. So come hang out with us for three or four hours or 30 minutes or come by and flip us a bird and leave. I don't care. <laughs> uh, side note, how good is a 5 o'clock kick? I love it. I said it a couple weeks ago. Sure. I love this 5 o'clock kickoff. I mean, because you can you can hang out all day, tailgate all day, go to the game, and then game ends, you go home, and you're in bed still by a very decent hour. Or and, you can go or you can go party. Or you can go party and start at not midnight. Yeah, exactly. I just I wish I wish there was more five o'clock kickoffs. I don't know why there's not. <clears throat> I agree. I agree. I think I think five o'clock is the optimal starting time which it, is this our first five o'clock kick i mean i may be maybe wrong i mean i i don't know i mean i know we've had some four o'clock, but yeah I, I don't know that's a good i can't remember any off the top of my head but um i know we kicked off against florida 10 years ago or so at like six o'clock which was kind of weird but because most of the games are 3 30 or 7 Noon 3.37 is football game kickoff times. There's four o'clock games now on the SEC network. Um, you don't really see – well, there's 10.30 games if you're in the Pac-12, rest in peace. But, um, yeah, there's not really many uh, – you don't see five o'clock kickoffs. I get. I don't know what FCS teams do as far as their kickoffs. I think a lot of them are at noon, but I'm sure there's some at weird – hours of the day um and then division two i don't know what times carson newman kick off usually uh normally one o'clock yeah i mean so they're usually 12 one o'clock so i don't know it's it's a rare time that's for sure uh their first game of the year fun fact was a thursday night game which my knowledge of the program is only like the second or third or fourth one that they've had because i remember my senior year we had a thursday night seven or eight o'clock kickoff and it got a little messy before and after because <laughs> <laughs> that's nature of the beast I, I, I would hope it would um i think yeah. they play don't they play etsu this week uh yes yes they do interesting matchup uh take the newman on the spread <laughs> the eagles versus the bucks uh i, I believe the spread's about 24 and a half. Uh, I expect the Eagles to cover um, and potentially tickle the over at 61 and a half. I haven't seen a line for the Tennessee Austin P game, but I can't imagine it's less than 40. If I was, well, I'm not going to kid y'all. I am a gambling man. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, you are a gambling man. I, I would expect the line to be around between 42 and 45. Out and the total probably around sixty three to sixty five and a half. I'd say Vegas is expecting this game to be probably fifty two to seven, somewhere in that general region, like forty nine to three, somewhere I'm, somewhere in that. General. I'm so glad this game's not on our pick sheet this week. Uh, the games we pick, I think there's fifty nine of us this year. Several listeners of the show were on there, but I I just I really don't like when when teams are playing these fcs teams or one double a teams as i call them um and the lines are like 40 and 50 points i mean it is kind of fun every now and then but i was 
I'd rather pick a game that's, you know, more tightly contested, more interesting. Um, and we'll get into some more games and the lines coming up here later on. But I'm so glad that game's not on there this week. But anyway, um, looking forward. If you are coming, come by to see us. We're looking forward to seeing everybody. It is so good to be back on campus. The weather's going to be great. Um, back in C8. Back with YY Nation. We are the nation, YY Nation of Domination. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're by there this Saturday, come by and see us, and uh, we'll have a good time before kickoff. So let's look around the conference, Harbin. Uh, Tennessee wasn't the only SEC team playing, although we were the only SEC team to beat a Power Five opponent. So take that for what you will. Even though they're, even though Virginia is weak and failing. Um, and and by the way, shout out to those guys. They went through a lot last year with the with the three football players being killed in that shooting, and uh, the Hollins guy coming back and playing uh, this past Saturday. Good for them, but they they're not very good. I'll just leave it at that. They're they're pretty pitiful. But uh, there were other teams around the conference that played, so I'm just going to go down the list. Um, I'm assuming this is in chronological order here of when the games happen. So we'll start with Vandy. They beat Hawaii 35 to 28. Harbin. Cool. <laughs> good I mean, for them. I mean, I I I caught a little bit of that game. Um they were up comfortably and then they started playing like Vanderbilt and Hawaii actually had a drive to win that game. They threw a pick or to tie the game, excuse me. But um we we talked about week zero. Yeah. Well that was week zero, yes. Yeah. Um so we talked about this. Their stadium, I mean, it it literally looked like a high school stadium, a big high school stadium, not like Carter High School, uh, but uh, uh, I mean, it, it was it's so weird. I don't know. Again, I, I understand it was going to be under construction during the season, but it's like they waited till the last minute to start the thing, and there's a crane in the end zone during the game holding up a video board and it's swaying back and forth. I just, the whole thing, it's just odd. I don't know, but it's on par with Vanderbilt athletics. Just yeah. weird. Just weird. Yeah. yeah but shout out to Vandy. They're actually 2-0 and because they won. We'll just go ahead and talk about their second game here. Let me look it up. They, uh, so that was week zero. And then they played again this past weekend, and they beat somebody, uh, Alabama A&M, 47 to 13. Vanderbilt's 2 and 0. Congrats to Vandy. You're ahead. You're leading the SEC. <laughs> That's you don't say that much, but yeah, Vandy played a, has played a tough schedule right out of the gate. Hawaii and Alabama A&M. Uh, this was an interesting game, Harbin. I did not get to see any of this on Thursday night. Um, I was with Reagan and Melody to pick up her friend Molly. Uh, Molly of Club 200. Don't ask any questions. It's a sorority house in Auburn. But um, uh, Utah beat Florida 24-11 to with a backup quarterback and a couple other backup players. How? What do you? What's your take on Florida after their first game? Uh, they're not very good. Uh, just point blank and simple. Um, I watched that game uh, in its entirety. 
Uh, I had an opportunity to make a small fortune, but uh, I made a little bit more than some lunch lunch money on the Utes. Um, all in all, uh, it was funny because uh, I was making fun of Florida's quarterback because he's Wisconsin transfer, but he was kind of their bright spot. I want to say he went for over 300 yards. He didn't play bad, but hell, he got sacked seven or eight times. Uh, his run game got him like under 20 or 30 yards. It was something stupid. Um, and their secondary is trash. Uh, I mean, that is, there's no other way to put it. Uh, Utah's good. Don't get me wrong, but they were rotating between their second and third string quarterback. They had a passer and a runner from what I gathered. Um, our defense is good. Florida scored a touchdown late and went for two. Just to make it look better. It was twenty four to three with like six or seven minutes left. Do you? Uh, and by the way, their quarterback threw Mertz threw for three hundred and thirty three yards. Do you feel any different about the upcoming Tennessee Florida game now after they played Utah in Week One than you did before? No, because I kind of saw that happening in this Utah game. I didn't think their offense would look as bad as it did. Um, well, let's face it. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. That game's going to be a rock fight, and it probably shouldn't be. But we're not going to go down there. I don't – I mean, if I'm – I hope to got them wrong. But we're not going to go down there and win by 21 or 28 or whatever. We're not going to go down there and blow them out of the water, I don't think. Um, we're going to sweat a little bit, and it's going to be a hard game, and we'll probably come out and win by about 10 points. Uh, I think I don't think the score will indicate what kind of game it was. I think we'll kind of I think we'll kind of whoop up on them, but I just don't know if the score reflected. But no, to answer your question, I don't feel much different about the Florida game now. I, I if anything, I feel more assured in my opinion. Yeah, like I said, I didn't get to see hardly any of that game. Well, actually, I saw none of it. So I was trying to keep up with the score on my phone. Um, but, uh, it's Florida's, it's kind of weird seeing them in this state, but, um, I'm very happy that they're in that state. I hope it continues. Um, if there is a fan base and a, in a place that deserves to be down in the dumps for a while, it's that place. I mean, they've, they've fallen forward. They've fallen up so much in the last 10 to 15 years. It's not even funny. Um, and they don't deserve it. So. Um, anyways, that's oh, – go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I, I was saying was if Billy Napier don't figure it out, they could be in a bad spot for a while. Do you think – and we, we'll move on because we got a lot of other games to talk about. But do you think that he's on the hot seat already down there, even though they're recruiting very well? I mean, Derek Dooley supposedly recruited well here, but he never could win. But um, I think we all knew that – Billy Napier was walking into kind of, I don't want to say a mess, but not a great situation in Florida. And it's kind of gotten worse since he's been there. But I think we all knew that they weren't going to be very good this year. Um, do you think they're lenient with him and give him some time to try to rebuild this thing? I think it's kind of unfair after two years to to ask a coach to do that, even though I thought Derek Dooley should have probably been gone after his second year. Uh, when we lost to Kentucky, but I don't know. Do you think he's got a lot of pressure on him? He's on the hot seat at this point. 
Uh, he's got a ton of pressure on him. Um, do I think he's on the hot seat? Um, fan wise, um, in a weird way, Florida's a little bit like us. Um, and the fact that they're rabid, rabid with wanting success instantly and being loud when they don't get it. Uh, the only problem with that is, uh, I looked into the numbers. There was an article that came out about it. If Billy Napier gets fired after this season, Florida's got to pay him like 36, 36 or $37 million in his buyout. And let's just say that he has a bad year this year. Let's say they go five and seven. Uh, let's say next year when they have a much tougher schedule, like we talked about a few weeks ago, and they win four or five games and they decide to fire him, they still have to pay him $25 million. So they're they're handcuffed with him. Uh, do I think he's on the hot seat officially? No, but it's because the University of Florida handcuffed themselves. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these schools, these coaches got these schools by the balls on their contracts. But that's another story for another time. But you're right; that's a huge amount of money, and they're getting ready to renovate Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. So I'm not sure they're going to be willing to to. Uh, <laughs> to write that kind of a check um, after this season, but we'll see. So moving on, another game on Thursday night. I didn't get to see this one either. Missouri beat South Dakota 35-10. to 10. Any thoughts on this one, Harbin? Not one. I didn't watch any of it. I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know Missouri, Missouri was playing on Thursday night. Good for Missouri. Congratulations to Dorkwitz. Um, Obviously, we talked about Tennessee and Virginia. Uh, the next one is Georgia and University of Tennessee Martin. Um, Pat Summit's alma mater. They uh, went down to Athens, lost 48-7. to Interesting note, I didn't watch any of this game. Um, but it was 17-0 to at halftime. And from everything I read, the Bulldogs were just kind of going through the motions. Uh, Carson Beck, new starting quarterback for the Bulldogs. Um, Brock Bowers is back. Um, he had five receptions, 78 yards. Beck threw for 294 yards, one TD. This kind of ho-hum. From what I read, it was just kind of a – it's a typical Georgia style of football. They go out there and just kind of control the thing and do what they need to do and get out of there. But some of the things I read is they weren't real pleased with the play in the first half of the Bulldogs. It looked almost semi-lethargic. Like they were literally just going through the motions – which you can with a team like UT Martin, but um, they ended up pulling away, winning by 41. Um, any thoughts on this one? No. Um, uh, I watched very little of it, just flipping channels. Um, I mean, Georgia didn't look bad, obviously. They just had no interest in it, uh, from what I gathered. Um they're obviously going to be fine, but it is kind of interesting to keep an eye on the quarterback play. Um, Alabama takes down Middle Tennessee State University, um, 56 to seven. I'm just going to skip around here real quick, uh, because there were several blowouts. Ole Miss takes down Mercer, 73 to seven. Um, in Oxford, Texas AM, which was an interesting story in the preseason. How are they going to respond from their terrible season last year? They beat New Mexico at home, 52 to 10. Uh, so I'm assuming the offense looked pretty good. They scored 28 points in the 35 in the first half, 28 in the second quarter. Um, 
Kentucky over Ball State, 44 to 14. I saw at different points. I mean, at halftime, Kentucky was up 20 to 7 and they ended up pulling away in the second half. Um, Arkansas 56 to 13 over Western Carolina. Auburn 59 to 14 over UMass and Hugh Freeze's debut um, down um, on the Plains in Auburn. Mississippi State over Southeast Louisiana 48 to 7. And then we mentioned Vandy, uh, 47-13 over Alabama A&M. Any, anything from those games stand out to you? Not really. Uh, I mean, just a, just a bunch of tune-up games for the most part. Um, obviously, we had a couple games with some action. But really, this is get your feet wet and get your, get your shoes tied and whatnot and get ready for a couple real games. So the two interesting games out of the conference – Outside of the Tennessee scope, which I thought the game of the day, um, besides one that was outside of the SEC even, I thought the Houston-San Antonio, UT-San Antonio, who Tennessee plays later in the season, I watched that game. Houston ends up winning, but San Antonio looked awful offensively. And I don't have the stats or even the score pulled up. I know Houston ended up winning, but it was a tight ball game back and forth. Um I thought reading about it, and we talked about it, San Antonio is going to be really good offensively. I know it's one game. Um, they did not look great, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, but the other game of the day I was intrigued with was North Carolina versus South Carolina. It's the the Dukes-Mayo Classic at, um, oh gosh, what's Charlotte Stadium called now? I can't remember. Anyways, um, where the Panthers play, um, Bank of America Stadium. Uh, North Carolina takes down the Gamecocks 31-17. The Gamecocks scored three points in the second half. Um, They didn't look great in really any facet of the game. They had some moments in the first half. Uh, Drake May for North Carolina looked pretty good. Um, He had a pick in the second half. It really wasn't his fault. Um, North Carolina actually gave South Carolina some chances and kept them in the football game late in the fourth quarter. And it really shouldn't have been as close as it was. Um, but I really I, – I normally root for the SEC if, you know, Tennessee's not playing them. And these early season games, you know, conference conference pride, Harbin. Um, I want the SEC to do good. It makes, it makes everybody in the conference look better. But it brought a smile to my face to watch South Carolina lose and lose the way they did. They didn't play good at all. And to see Shane Beamer's face on the sideline, the dis- the disgust on his face, um, I-, I I grinned most of the night watching that game. It-, it brought a smile to my face, in the words of the Joker. Yeah, I did too. Um, that's another game I made a decent amount of money on. Uh, I took the Tar Heels. How much uh, did you make this weekend? Sound like you made a little bit more than it uh, than gas money. Hey, buddy. We ain't talked about some of the other games that I bet on. <laughs> I had a decent weekend. I came up a little bit. Nothing crazy. Um, North Carolina game really helped me. But um, South Carolina looked extremely mediocre, in my opinion. Um, I think their line sucks. Um, what was the – I forgot who the commentators were. But one of them pretty much said, hell, Spencer Rattler's not going to make it through the season if this O-line don't get it cleaned up. I think it was Sean McDonough and uh, McElroy, I think was who was calling that game. 
Yeah. Um, to be fair, uh, Rattler didn't look bad. Um, he also went over for 300 yards. Um, no scores, no picks. Uh, just kind of mediocre or a little above mediocre. I'll give him a little bit of credit. Um, yeah, their line did not look good. They couldn't run the ball whatsoever. Um, Ryler stayed on his back. Defense didn't look good. Um, I don't know. Beamer ball is uh, just starting to feel a lot like Butch Jones, in my opinion. Um, I believe I've got a quarterback carrying them to slightly above mediocrity, and once he's gone, I think Shane Beamer might get exposed a little bit. I've just never understood in the offseason. I get it. It's offseason hype, but what was all the hype? I know they won two good games. They won two big games last year. They beat Tennessee. They beat Clemson at this end of the season. Great. But what? What? why so much hype with this team? They don't really recruit all that well. I mean, they're not even near – I don't think if they're in the top 25, they're near the bottom recruiting-wise. So they don't recruit, you know, at levels like Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, Florida. They don't recruit at that level. They've got Spencer Rattler. He's, I think we can all agree, above average quarterback or has the capability to do that. I just never under, I did not understand the hype with this team in the offseason. And I think you talked about it. They have the potential, maybe it was Missouri too, to go on a losing streak before we play them later on. And I don't think that they expected to play this way. The fan base, the coaching staff, or the players. Uh, expected this kind of game right out of the gate um, against the Tar Heels. And the Tar Heels are good. They're going to compete for the ACC. Now that Clemson's probably not who everybody, again, thought they were after losing to Duke on Monday night. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just – I think South Carolina's got a lot of issues. Um, and I, they may turn it around. I don't know. But I, this feels like a 500 football team to me. I was about to say, I think if you're a South Carolina fan, uh, I think you're rooting for seven and five after you played against North Carolina. I know it's the first game of the year. Um, you got some things to work out. And obviously, it's the first weekend of September, so you can turn this thing around and get ahead in the right direction early. But it just didn't look good. I mean, they look like, They'll go six and six or seven and five. Best case scenario, they sneak out eight and four. I mean, that's just exactly what they look like. And I think that's what they are. So, and I'm trying to find it, Harbin. I thought I read, oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. So the SEC goes one and three against Power Five. Florida loses to Utah. Uh, South Carolina loses to North Carolina. The third loss is LSU against Florida State. The Camping World kickoff at the Citrus Bowl Stadium or Camping World Stadium, home of two WrestleManias, by the way. Um, Florida State takes down the, the Tigers and Brian Kelly, 45 to 24. The Tigers did nothing offensively in the second half. Florida State ran away with it in the second half. I felt like they pushed around LSU. Uh, another team that I'm not saying they weren't good, but I don't understand the the number five ranking to start the season in LSU. Um, you know, Tennessee went in there and whipped them all over the field last year in o early October, and they did beat uh, Alabama at home. But the JT Daniels hype um, 
for Heisman, the the playoff talk for LSU. I heard it multiple times on pregame shows Saturday. LSU's in the playoffs. Um, I, I I didn't quite understand it. I think it kind of came to fruition Saturday night. Florida State looked pretty good. Um, I think Mike Norvell's done a pretty good job down there. He's always had good teams at at Memphis State. So, uh, I mean, LSU just – they got a lot of work to do. They got a lot of issues. And I know that's a little bit different than the North Carolina-South Carolina game where these are two top ten teams supposedly playing each other right out of the gate. So, it's a tough game. And it's a good gauge of where you might be going. But Brian Kelly said it after the game. He said, I think we thought we were Georgia and we're not. And they definitely aren't. They did not look good in really any facet of the game through all four quarters. No, I agree. Um, so getting back to my gambling weekend, uh, part of the reason I didn't have a really good weekend is because I took the LSU Tigers as well on mm. Sunday. Um, my thought press, my thought process going into the game was I thought that both teams were a little overrated. Um, I just thought LSU was a little less overrated. Uh, I was completely wrong in that standpoint. Um, I don't even know if LSU's uh not good. I think Florida State just looked extremely good. Um Florida State looked like they they could be a playoff contender. Like very seriously. Um I mean that game was tied with I don't know, like four minutes left in the third quarter, and then Florida State absolutely turned it on. Uh, I think LSU made one or two mistakes, and Florida State capitalized on every bit of it. Um, but, yeah, uh, LSU, uh, if I had to predict down the stretch, I'll probably go nine and three. Um, I have no reason not to believe that Florida State doesn't win the ACC and uh, potentially be in position to go to the playoff, though, the way they looked. I know it's an overreaction after one game, but yeah, that's how I'm feeling with them. Um, This college football season, before we look ahead to this coming weekend's game, it's got some 2007 season vibes to it right out of the gate. Um, And maybe that's just because teams were misplaced or whatever, but I don't feel like Georgia's obviously probably the best team. But after that, I mean, I watched Ohio State-Indiana. They, I mean, Ohio State won, and they were never threatened. But and I know Indiana's not the Indiana of old. They're decent. Um, but it just felt like they were just kind of just doing what it took to win and going through the motions. And obviously, in the SEC, we saw Georgia and Alabama got off tonight. And I'm not saying they should score 28 points in the first quarter, but slow first halves, picking it up. But – I don't know. I might be totally wrong on this, but it's got some 07 vibes where we might see a lot of upsets as the season goes along and not chaos, but that 07 season was, if you've never looked it up, I think there's a video on YouTube of the 07 season about how chaotic that season was. I mean, Tennessee went to the SEC title game with three SEC losses and four total losses on the season. That's how crazy the SEC even was that year. Florida won the national title the year before and didn't even play in the SEC title game the next year. Tennessee played um, LSU that year and should have beat them. And LSU was ranked seventh going into the SEC title game and went to the national title game and won it. That's I mean, it was just topsy-turvy, but 
we may not see something like that, but I think it could have an essence of that. Maybe we'll see. Um, so looking ahead, as my mouse has frozen up and not working, Harbin, let me get to uh, week two of the season. Some more juicy matchups. We know Tennessee's playing Austin P. Um, I did not realize this was a game this weekend, but it's 11 o'clock on the ACC network. Vandy travels to Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a 10-point favorite, over under at 56. Who do you got? Uh, I mean, I think Wake Forest wins. Uh, if you twist my arm right now, I'd probably take Wake Forest on the spread. Same. Um, Georgia host David Letterman's alma mater, Ball State. Another another tough matchup for the Bulldogs. They're only 42-point favorites. They may get to full speed by the fourth game of the year. The uh, Eastern Kentucky somethings. I cannot – I about called them the Hilltoppers. That's Western Kentucky. Uh, they travel to Kroger Field in Lexington, Kentucky to take on the Wildcats. There's no line in this game because – EKU is a FCS team. I'm assuming the Wildcats will win that one going away. Here's an interesting matchup, Harbin. 330 on ESPN2. Ole Miss, number 20 in the country, travels to number 24 Tulane in Yulman Stadium there in New Orleans. Ole Miss, seven and a half point favorite. What do you think? Um, That, that game's going to be fun. Uh, what, what's the total set up? Uh, over under right now is set at 67. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a ton of points in that game. It's going to be fun. Um, probably won't get to watch, maybe get to watch first 30 minutes if there's a TV close by at the tailgate. Um, I can tell you, Big Montana and I will not have a TV, but maybe there's one close to us. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I might stumble by TV and get to catch a little bit of the first quarter. Um, but that might, that that has potential to be a game that like you go back and watch. Like yes. there could be some fireworks. Um I think I think Ole Miss pulls it out, but I think it's extremely close. And I I, I would I, I'm gonna take two lane to cover. I'm gonna take two lane to cover. This is one of those games where I can see I, I think Ole Miss wins, but it's got upset written all over it. Ole Miss is traveling to Tulane, which is odd to me. Um, but um, Tulane's a good football team. They were good last year. It's at their place. I know it's not a very big stadium, but crazy things happen when you go on the road. So watch out for that one. Um, there's, I think there's three intriguing matchups this week, and there's some kind of odd matchups across the conference. Uh, the that's one of them is that one. The second one is Texas A&M going to Miami. And I was reading today that Miami's actually doing a, a BOGO, Harbin. Buy one, get one. If you buy a ticket to the A&M game, they're going to give you a ticket to the Georgia Tech game later in the season for free. What a wow. deal. What wow. a deal. You want to make a couple weekend trips to Coral Gables? Hey, I tell you what. I was at that stadium in uh, January – so let's go rent a car and drive to Miami like Griffin and I did back in uh, back in late December. By God, let's do it. We got a place to. I know somebody's got a place down there. We can just stay at their place. I'm in. I think Texas A&M probably wins that game, but it wouldn't shock me if Miami did. 
This What's is a this is an interesting game for AM because it's really gonna I mean, I know they won fifty two to ten against um uh whoever that New Mexico last week, but this is really gonna show where they're at because Miami's a pretty decent football team. They're not ranked, but they're good. What is the what's the line? Uh AM's favored by four over under at fifty one. Miami looked pretty good. Uh granted it was against Miami, Ohio, but Miami looked pretty good. Uh, the spread in that game was only like 16, and I think they won like 38-3 or something like that. So. I, I think my 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 head's telling me to take Miami, but my gut's telling me to take A&M to cover and win. Um, but I wouldn't be in the least bit shocked if Miami takes down A&M and A&M doesn't look good. And here, here we go with the talk. So um, – We'll see. That's an interesting matchup. The third interesting matchup, probably the biggest of the day, Texas, the Longhorns traveling to Alabama. Alabama's favored by seven, over under at 54. Seven o'clock kickoff on ESPN, Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, What do you think, Harbin? What do you got? If Alabama's worth a shit, you absolutely smash them minus seven. Because I don't... Texas did not look that great against Rice. Uh, I watched a decent amount of that game. Uh, I think they ended up winning like 37-3 or or 39 or whatever it was. Um, But it wasn't impressive in my opinion. Um, And, I mean, Alabama looked impressive against MTSU, but that's also MTSU. Um, We'll see if Milrow plays the whole game. Uh, I feel like Milrow played pretty good against MTSU. But um, regardless, if Alabama is any good whatsoever, they cover seven, in my personal opinion. Uh, Another thing, I'm going to give credit to the University of Alabama as a one-time deal. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it's a one-time deal. Um, I hate Alabama as much as anybody, but – I love high levels of pettiness, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, For those that don't know, last year when they traveled to Austin to play the Longhorns, uh, Texas informed them that their band and their their fan seating would all be in the upper deck in the corner. So Alabama, as a middle finger, did not send their band. Uh, This year, uh, while the Longhorns come to Tuscaloosa, uh, Alabama informed them that their band and allotted tickets will all be in the upper deck in the corner, <laughs> which, uh, according to some Bama fans that I've talked to, uh, is a very first for the University of Alabama. So kudos to them for being chicken shit. Um, I love retaliation pityness. It's one of my favorite things. Um, and that's... Part of what makes college sports great when you have home and homes. If you piss somebody off on the front end, they'll get you back on the back end. So, good on them. I agree on everything you just said. Yeah. I wish more away fans set up top. I think that's where they should go. Sorry. We're not here to be hospitable to you. We're your enemy. We want to take you down. We don't want to give you an advantage of sitting – 8,000 of your fans in the lower deck, so get over it. Um, but good on Alabama for doing that. Other matchups quickly here, Harbin. 
Um, these aren't really of any consequence, but Kent State, Arkansas is hosting Kent State. Arkansas is favored by 38. Um, Missouri's hosting MTSU. MTSU with the SEC gauntlet back-to-back. Uh, Ball State, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ball State. Mm-hmm. Um, Missouri's yeah. favored by 20 and a half points over the Blue Raiders. LSU will look back to get back on track. They're hosting Grambling. Same with Florida. They're hosting McNeese State. Or McNeese. Sorry, I thought it was State, but uh, maybe not. South Carolina's hosting Furman. Um, couple in interest. I don't want to call them in, maybe intriguing, but interesting matchups. The first of which Mississippi State hosting Arizona, seven thirty p.m. SEC Network. Bulldogs are favored by nine. Um, that's an interesting matchup at Davis Wade Stadium, and then Auburn, the Tigers, Reagan School traveling out to Berkeley. Tennessee did this back in '07. Auburn Tigers traveling to California, ten thirty. Eastern Time, ESPN, Pac-12, SEC After Dark. Auburn is favored by six and a half over the uh, Golden Bears. Um, I did not know they were playing each other this year. That's an interesting matchup. I'm guessing that's a home-and-home home they've set up. But uh, what do you think about those two games real quick? Uh, I, Somebody put on Twitter earlier this week, um, it was a screenshot of all the games we just went through, and it said this has to be the most random week of SEC scheduling yeah. ever because you have you have some cupcake games, uh, you have some mid-major games, and then you have the blockbuster Alabama Texas, arguably the two biggest brands of all time, um, and you have Ole Miss going on the road to a Group of Five team. Uh, and then you have Auburn playing in damn California. Yeah. Uh, and then you have an Arizona team playing in Mississippi. Are there two states that are any different, any more different in the country? Um, yeah, it, it's a weird week. Um, definitely going to be some different point of views going into it. Um, I would like to think Auburn takes care of business out in, out in the sunshine. Um, I don't know anything about Arizona, just to be honest with you. Um, Me but as the spread indicates, Mississippi State should get it done. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be a fun week. Um, kind of hard. Al- the Auburn Cow game is interesting to me to see where they're at against a power five team, not, um, whoever that I can't remember who they played last Saturday, but, um, but yeah, that's an interesting game to me. I think Mississippi State should probably beat Arizona, um, especially being at home. But uh, yeah, two, two. It's a weird weekend, like you said, for scheduling. So interested to see how the other games play out besides the Vols, as we already head into week two. So uh, looking forward to watching some ball when I get back from Neyland Stadium Saturday night. Falling asleep on the couch probably and waking up on Sunday morning and watching uh, SEC Now on the SEC Network for the highlights. Um, hey, real quick, Harbin, before we go, I was supposed to ask you, uh, did you play golf by yourself this afternoon? Did you find anybody to play golf with? Oh, yes, I did. I, play, I played with a buddy of mine. Okay. Well, That's... I was told that you asked in a group chat to play golf and absolutely no one responded to you. Zero. Uh, and there is roughly – 
25 people in that chat. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that to the light in the public. Um, they, uh, <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh at you or or uh, con- console you, Harbin, for not hey, uh, getting any response, because I feel your pain on that sometimes. Uh, you find out who your friends are sometimes. And evidently, I uh, don't have any in a 25-man group chat, so... I'll tell you one guy that was cackling really loud about it. He uh, he thought it was hilarious. I won't mention his name, but Joey Cox thought it was funny. Yeah, I I guarantee you did. <laughs> I guarantee it. Sad. Uh, did you see that uh, Donald Trump's going to the Iowa Iowa State game this weekend? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, what we got to do to get him to come to Knoxville? Uh, what we got to do to get him on the pod? Well, uh, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. You uh, never know. Might as well. If, he, if he's in for a game, he's got time to do a 25-minute interview with the boys. Uh, that's true. Um, and maybe they'll provide the Zoom so we don't get stuck on 40 minutes. <laughs> that, that, would, that would be our big break. Well, guys, it is very late. As of right now on this show, it is after midnight. Harbin's putting his finger up one last thing before we We never covered it. Um, Very impressive win out of the Colorado Buffaloes. Yes. Uh, Neon Dion did his thing. Uh, His son set the school record for passing yards in the first game ever played for him. That's hilarious in my opinion. Um, After the game, all-time quote out of Dion. Uh. The sideline reporter asked him a question. He was emotional. He wiped his face and he said, "Man, I'm going to thank God for getting me here, and I and I'm thanking the hood for having my back along the way." You <laughs> put it on every T-shirt, put it on billboards. Greatest quote of all time. Uh, with that being said, I'm considering taking a loan out and putting it on the Nebraska Cornhuskers plus three and a half this weekend. Wow, there you go. Nebraska was seven-point favorites, and after their respective games this weekend, Colorado is now a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So that's and I did read that Colorado has sold $430,000 worth of tickets since last Saturday for the game. Here's so that. Uh, but they're helping pay for that contract <laughs> that they didn't have money for. There is more money on the Colorado Buffaloes this weekend than every NFL team combined for week one. Jeez. Wow. So there is a bazillion dollars on Colorado. And I just don't see a scenario where Vegas loses. We'll see. Uh, uh poor Nebraska just can't catch breaks. So Colorado might might make them even more miserable. We's see. But yeah, ne Dion's got uh maybe something good going out there. We'll see if he can sustain it after after one game. But man, they look they look good Saturday. Um so uh we'll we'll see. That's a definitely helping the ratings on Fox. They had like record ratings. So well, Harbin, we are in the words of the great Tony Shivani, we are out of time on this week's podcast. We appreciate everybody listening. Be sure to to listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, which most people listen to us, get it on Spotify or Apple or Google. Um, we're on YouTube, remember that. Come by the tailgate this Saturday, get you a sticker. Get you a koozie, get your picture with me and Harbin or Big Montana or whoever else is there. Or like we said earlier, 
give us the old stone cold double bird and walk off after you get it. Either way, we hope to see you this Saturday. We're looking forward to being back in Neyland, being back in C8. And we appreciate everybody listening for my cohort, Harbin. We will see you guys next week on the Section YY8 podcast. Wish that I was on a rocky top down in the Tennessee hills. Ain't no smoky smoke up on rocky top. Ain't no telephone bill. Once I had